The Dave Hooker Show, represented by Banks and Jones, Tennessee's trial attorney. Play to win, banksjones.com. The Dave Hooker Show. A presentation of Off the Hook Sports. Objective insight, expertise, top guest. Available on YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and the Off the Hook Sports app. Download now for free. Also available on offthehooksports.com. I compute and obey. Now to Dave Hooker. Ready. Well, I'll tell you one thing. The coaches and administrators and boosters and collectives may not like it, but this NIL and transfer portal gives us plenty to talk about. And there is news today when typically it might be a little bit slow. We've got a lot to get to as the Vols have a surprise, at least in our opinion, enter the transfer portal. Also, my guy, Caleb Calhoun. I don't really know if he's a good gambler or not. I think he is, but he's the one that told you that you should jump on Nico Iamaleava's Heisman odds, and they're out, so we're going to discuss those. Caleb first up on that, and no surprise, Caleb's always uh, uh, pretty pretty. Should have uh, flown to Vegas that. and taken the odds before they were listed. Just saying, guys. Just saying. But not a bad idea. Also, uh, NIL talk, and... Um, that leads us to transfer portal talk and the balls are still in the running for a couple of different players, but if they don't get anybody else would this transfer portal be a success, we'll ask you. And also we're going to go this day in Tennessee football history. And I go back to 1998. It was this day that Tennessee was arriving back from uh, the Fiesta bowl. Did Tennessee do enough to celebrate that national championship? I didn't think so at the time. So I'm not saying so in retrospect, we'll discuss that. Also, does a bowl win really help the offseason? Jimmy Hobbs and I used to discuss that a lot, so I'll provide some insight to that. I think it depends on, on the bowl and the team. And Tennessee's still a draw. Tennessee's still a huge draw. So people that say Tennessee's a top 25 or 30 job instead of a top 12 to 15 uh, job in the nation are just wrong because you're going to be blown away by some of these numbers as far as television uh, viewership and some ratings that uh, we've been able to pull. Also, Will Levis blames the Tennessee fans for Titans not liking him, and I can't say that I 100% disagree with him. Welcome to the program, everyone. We certainly appreciate it. We are represented by Banks and Jones, and certainly give them a call. Why Banks and Jones? Other lawyers say they'll go to trial. They won't. They'll settle and settle for less. Banks and Jones, ready to go to trial for you. Truly Tennessee's trial attorneys. So, Caleb, how are you, sir? I am tremendous. Happy Friday, Dave. Happy Friday to you. Big plans for the weekend? None whatsoever. None at all. I can say that definitively. I'm going to you know, watch the final week of the regular season. And speaking of Will Levis, I will be so mad if my Titans win and cost us a top 10 draft pick. We already lost a chance at Olufashanu, the uh, Penn State offensive lineman, because we stupidly decided to go beat Miami. If we, if we win again, we'll lose out on J.C. Latham and Joe Alt. And I'm like, do we even want an offensive lineman? Oh, yeah, I'm going to save your Titans talk for later. Fair? 
<laughs> so you got big. Uh, so well, Dave, what's it like to be a fan of a team that's going to the playoffs and a Super Bowl contender? Because I don't know. Well, that's okay. No, no big plans for the. Well, that's true. No big plans for the the weekend. I find that when football goes away, I watch stupid stuff on television. And last night, I watched some goofy documentary about how psychedelics in 1800 BC could have led to an evolution of human learning. Do you watch stupid stuff when football's over? I mean, I do stupid sports research for out of intrigue. That's why I wanted to do my sports history channel. That's why I wanted to do that because I'm just randomly like, oh, how did this happen? So I go to Wikipedia and I'm like, oh, that's pretty interesting. Like I remember last year, I just randomly was like, how did the Yankees overtake the New York Giants as the primary team in New York City? Like, how did that happen? And I did a deep dive. And basically, they just bought a bunch of Red Sox players, most notably Babe Ruth, but he wasn't the only one. You got to love this guy. You got to love this guy, Caleb Calhoun. Here we go, everybody. It's time for today's tough question. The balls lose a potential starter, pretty much a guaranteed starter in the transfer portal. NIL issues, today's tough question. Today's tough question. Take a side. Take a stand. The Dave Hooker Show, a presentation of offthehooksports.com. All right, let's start with this. Gerald Mincy enters the transfer portal. What do you make of Mincy's, I would call it very surprising, not incredibly surprising. Incredibly surprising would be, God forbid, Nico transferring or somebody like that or or Cooper Mays up and say, no, I've decided to go to the NFL instead. That would be incredibly surprising. But I would say this is very surprising, uh, at least somewhat surprising. What about you and your thoughts on Gerald Mincy entering the transfer portal? I'd say surprising and I'd say alarming in a negative way because this means one of two things. Either Tennessee has some very talented tackle coming in that we don't know about yet because they don't have anybody backing up Gerald Mincy. There is nobody on this roster, guys, right now. Or they're out of NIL money. It's one of the two. Those are the only two possible explanations. There's nobody on this roster right now that is capable of stepping in a tackle. Mincy, people are going to say it's not great. Guys, I need to impress something upon you. Not great is not the same as being horrible. Okay? So we have to address. Mincy was not great. But that doesn't mean he wasn't the best option they had at right tackle. And at least on this roster right now, Dave, I think it is more than fair to say if things are as they are right now, Gerald Mincy's the best option at right tackle. Is that safe to say? Uh, it's safe to say, and it is a starter, but as has been pointed out of the message board, and as you just pointed out, uh, Pro Football Focus rated him Tennessee's lowest offensive lineman a couple of times. He lost his job at one point, I think more because of play than any sort of injury, and um, so I, I think he's one of those guys that you, you tra- he's a transitional player. You, you don't take him if you're Georgia, for instance, or Alabama, and you're at the top of your game because you, you've got more talented players to play. But I think he's a transitional player for Tennessee to go from a down program to an up program. So I, I think you'd rather have him than not, but I think he's very replaceable. Here's the other thing that we, we, we need to remember is when it comes to Tennessee and, and, and NIL, with them specifically, it's going to change every year. 
So Tennessee's in the mid-20s and portal rankings. But that's not like high school rankings, Caleb, and you know this. But if you're not in the top 10, top 5 in the SEC nationally, I'm talking top 5, top 10 nationally among SEC schools, then one year can throw you off completely can throw your cycle off completely. But in this particular situation, it's not like that because you're looking at a team that had to keep a lot of its current players. So that needs to be a factor as well, right? Yeah, and it's very obvious they spent their NIL on that, but it's also clear that they spent a lot on Nico, which is fine. They spent a lot on NIL players last year that we thought would pan out and some were straight bust, i.e. Andre Carrick, and others just didn't pan out. Dante Thornton, I know, battling injuries and things like that. Um, now, I, I want to address, I know there's other linemen on the roster. I'm not, like, not aware. I do know Vison Ling and Aiden Bustle are still there. They were members of the last recruiting class in 2023, and they were freshmen. So you, you could make the argument that maybe a, a, a switch flipped for them after their first year. But By the way, I like Vison Ling way more than I thought I would, based off his high school tape. Okay, so and that's possible. And there's Aiden Aiden Bussell. I believe Trevor Duncan is still on the roster, and Larry Johnson the third, Shemarad uh, uh, Umarov. These are all offensive linemen in last year's class. But I I'm going to say this about offensive linemen on the roster to believe in them. You, I don't expect them to be good their first year. Offensive line is one position where true freshmen almost never are the guy that you can just plug and play. I feel like you can plug and play quarterback more than an offensive lineman as a true freshman usually. But I would also say that you typically see them on the field at least if they show any potential as a true freshman. And we didn't see any of these guys even take any reps for Tennessee this year on the field. That's well, alarming. But, well, but remember this. In general, offensively, Josh Heupel likes a short bench, both with the yes, receivers, when, even a quarterback for that matter. But there were injuries on the line this year, and we saw instead Ollie Lane and Andre Carrick and Jackson Lampley and Dane Davis. We didn't see any of these guys. Now, that, that's very fair. Today's tough question, uh, it's our poll question as well, and it's uh, on YouTube. Go ahead and give the vote now, and it's are you happy with the Vols transfer class extremely a little, not at all. So uh, with, with Mincy, I think it's a concern, but I, I don't think you would trade Mincy for any of the guys that Tennessee got to return, in, including Cooper Mays, including Keenan Pilly, and now Brew McCoy. Today's tough question is brought to you by Andy Mason, andymasonrealestate.com. Best prices, best service in the biz. And Andy Mason will certainly take care of you. Known him for like 25 years, a long time. So Andy Mason's great. AndyMasonRealEstate.com. Yeah, I just think Tennessee's in that kind of flux situation. And I don't know that the top programs in the nation are going to be the top transfer portal programs from year to year, right? I mean, that seems like a Band-Aid instead of a cast. No, and I never expected Tennessee to be one of the top transfer portal programs. Um, but I'm going to say I disagree with you. If Tennessee doesn't upgrade at tackle, I think Gerald Mincy was more important than Brew McCoy. And I know that's a hot take, Dave, but I'm just going to say this. I'll say this right now. It's not about how good the player is. It's how bad the players behind them are. And you can tell me if I'm wrong, but I think the current offensive line 
is Gerald is Brew McCoy better at his position than Gerald Mincy is at his? Yes. Are there other receivers in there? Yes. I think the offensive line behind Gerald Mincy right now on this roster are linemen who should not even be on scholarship. So I think they're really, really, really bad. And that's why, again, and you have a John Campbell Jr. But John Campbell Jr. is not great, by the way. He's good. He's solid. He's not great. But right now, the offensive line on this roster are terrible. So, yeah, you guys keep talking about Gerald Mincy was the lowest graded offensive lineman. Who was behind him? Seriously, name somebody who was behind him. I didn't see Vice and Lang see the field at all this year. I didn't see Aiden Bustle see the field at all this year. I didn't see Masai Reddick. I didn't see Larry Johnson third. I didn't see Shamrod Umarov. All these players, none of them saw the field at all. Okay? So, I'm saying, no, I actually think Gerald Mincy, as of right now, if nothing changes in the portal, Gerald Mincy's a bigger loss than Brew McCoy, and it's not close. Uh, Gerald Mincy's a bigger loss than Brew McCoy? Because Brew, if you lose Brew McCoy, you don't have atrocity and atrocious incompetence at receiver behind you. You have atrocious incompetence at offensive line behind Gerald Mincy. You have bad players. Not like, oh, they're not great. No, they're bad. That's my speculation. I think that I think that either Vison Lang or uh, Shemarad Umarov will will be as good as Mincy this upcoming year. That's my prediction. Uh, heard some stuff about Umarov, and I liked Vison Lang. I did not like his high school tape. I thought he was basically a guy to fill out a class when they took him. I was wrong, and I I thought firmly that um, that Tennessee. Is is able to to move on with Mincy now after seeing Lang and talking to some people last night? Um, you'd rather have him. You'd ra- you'd like to have fifteen offensive linemen that could play, right, Caleb? I mean, but yeah, Jim Cheney was the one who said that when he was asked about satisfaction and depth on the offensive line. I never remember him saying. Remember him saying, "No one is ever satisfied with their O line depth ever." That's like the position you're never satisfied with. Yeah, but absolutely. yeah. I think that I just think that you may be right about Vice and Ling, but I would have thought that he would have seen some action this year. I didn't think that Josh, I would start just Dave. Why did Josh, I will start Dane Davis over him then in the citrus bowl. Uh, that's, that's fair. That, that That's fair. Uh, we got some people from New York. That's pretty awesome. We appreciate that. Good morning to you guys. It's amazing what the world wide web can do. Hit the like and subscribe button. Turn your notifications on. We greatly appreciate that. And we'll have a little bit of Cooper Mays and Jacob Warren coming up on their individual ball reports uh, this weekend. Cooper is a matter of fact today. So we'll be able to talk to him about the Mincy transfers. One of the things that's often said, it's just thrown out there, is that, well, this guy left because he's not a good dude. And I think it's it's easy to throw out uh, some accusations, which which have been out there and uh, yeah, I, I think that there has been a situation with a defensive end that maybe went to Ole Miss, that there were some chemistry issues. But I don't think, for the most part, that chemistry issues are the reason. I think it's, I, I think it's too easy to say that guy goes out the door and you say, "Oh, I didn't want him anyway." Like when a five star commits, like Jordan Seaton to Colorado. 
It's always laughable. Yeah, whenever a guy doesn't, whenever a guy leaves your school or doesn't commit to your school, I didn't want him. Whenever he transfers to your school or flips to your school, well, he's the greatest character person in the history of the world, and he's just a very mature young man, and I'm so excited about him. Yeah, we don't know. I mean, that that's that's how this works always with fans. Um, so yeah, that's you know, I, I I get it, Tennessee fans. Everybody on your team is high character and quality, and everybody who doesn't want to be on your team is is a head case and terrible. <laughs> it's probably not always the the truth, but it is from time to time. Um, all right, so let's take a look at what's left with uh with, with the transfer portal because it it reopens here again. Do you know uh, which state it reopens? It's right around the corner, I believe. Um, I don't. But- well, I don't. I don't know. If, I don't think it reopens again till spring ball, right? uh yeah oh no you're right but so you, can, opens- you can still sign players in the portal i think i think you just can't enter the portal right right okay so my question that i put on uh, the facebook and that is are you happy with uh the vols transfer class uh eight percent said extremely 88 percent said a little and four percent said not at all so let's take a look at some guys that are still in the mix for Tennessee in their transfer transfer portal class. Um, and let's start with some offensive linemen because you might think that that's the direction that Tennessee is going. Uh, so let's take a look. It's four downs brought to you by Dynasty Spas. And four downs is right now. By the way, have you been to Dynasty Spas yet? They're bubbling. Four Downs brought to you by Dynasty Spas, the most comfortable spas made in the United States of America, right here in East Tennessee. Drop in for the all-new showroom in Athens, Dynasty Spas, perfect for all four seasons. Four Downs presented by Off the Hook Sports. All right, so I want to take a look at the players that could possibly replace a Mincy, and let's do that right now. Jump, Jump in the hot tub with Cooper Mays. Cooper Mays here. Hit like and subscribe. Boom. Coop here. First down. Thanks, Coop. Uh, Armage Reed Adams, four seasons with the Kansas Jayhawks. Offensive lineman announced his intentions to enter the transfer portal. He's appeared in 31 games with 14 starts, two years of eligibility, six foot five, 325 pounds. I think this is the kind of player that we like and that he's going from a smaller program to a bigger program. Caleb, you and I have discussed that before. Uh, he graded out 62 uh, in pass blocking, 59 in run blocking. I don't know he, that he's great, but what do you make of Reed Adams? No, 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 no. He actually graded better. He graded 64 in pass blocking and 63 for run blocking. It was Mincy who graded 62 and 59 for pass oh. and run. So oh, sorry. He, he graded out slightly better than Mincy, which is a good sign. Um, and he also... Well, then it sounds like you're, but it's, then, then it sounds like you're just getting another Mincy because he's going against lesser competition. Well, there's well there it, with offensive line. Okay, there's there's a few caveats with PFF grades because so much offensive line it's it's complementary blocking, as you know. Now this affects this applies to guards more than tackles. To be fair, because tackles are usually just one on one on the outside, but there is still complementary blocking on the right side. And if you're if the rest of your line is weak, it can really drag down your PFF grades. Or if they're the roles are different. For instance, I just want to bring this up: Jerome Carvin had consistently the lowest PFF grades last year for Tennessee. But let's be honest, Jerome Carvin was severely missed this year by Tennessee. And so we, yeah, so we don't know with him, but this is a good, 
you're right. He he, and also he's a four year guy from Kansas, so he's a four year guy. Probably got his degree. It's probably it's not like he's running from school to school, desperate to like get accepted somewhere. You know what I mean? So. Yep. I, I want to get to some more. We got two more offensive linemen you need to keep uh, an eye on. Here we go. What down, Coop? Cooper Mays here. Second down. And thank you. Of course, uh, four downs brought to you by our friends at Dynasty Pools and Spas. Have you been to that showroom in Athens? It's phenomenal. And they deliver. And they have the best chemicals, the best products, the best covers. They've got it all right there. Dynasty Pools and Spas in Athens. Again, they deliver. Knoxville, Chattanooga, doesn't matter. They'll take care of you. Go to DynastySpas.com or stop by that showroom and get it taken care of. So second down leads us to a young man that uh, has an awesome first name. Zalance, I want to be heard. Do you get it? I want to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Zalance heard. Uh, Zalance, who goes by Lance as well, which is stupid because Zalance is cool. Uh, he uh, entered the transfer portal after his freshman year at LSU. He played in 12 games in the SEC with one start before opting to transfer. This, to me, from the outside looking in, sounds like a guy who might have a chemistry issue. Tennessee if he's already fans. playing as a freshman and he's ready to bolt LSU, then they're not ponying up the dollars or he didn't get along with somebody. I don't. This one seems from the outside. No sources. This this one from the outside seems a little icky. Tennessee fans, if you say you didn't want Mincy because he was a head case after he left, but then you celebrate the pickup of Lance Hurd, you're hypocrites. Because okay. Dave, you're right. And now I, I was text, I was texting Jaro last night. So um, I just want to bring up a couple of things he mentioned to me because he wrote this article. By the way, you should check it out on Off the Hook on the other possible transfers in the portal. Lance Hurd wants to play left tackle. He will refuse to play any other position. And he couldn't beat out Will Campbell for left tackle. So he won't come to Tennessee to play right tackle. Now, theoretically, Tennessee can move a left John Campbell over to right tackle and then put Lance Hurd at left tackle. But if someone has that level of demand and what's a big NIL bag, you're right. There's chemistry issues, by the way. And where is the best fit for him if there's issues like that? Uh, there's a school that is on a bordering state of LSU that uh, is a little bit further north um, that a former Tennessee coach is running right now that, you know, he seems like Who a are you referring to? <laughs> Lane Kiffin and Ole Miss. Come on, Dave. Does this not sound like an Ole Miss kid? Just straight out of the blue. Lane Kiffin's going to call some boosters and say, hey, guys, throw some it more money. It does sound like an Ole Miss kid. It does. It does exactly sound <laughs> like an Ole Miss kid. Um, all right, so uh, let's get to third down. Tennessee center Cooper Mays here. Third down. All right, third down is a young man that uh, we'll introduce you to, in case you didn't know. Uh, Nolan Rucci, I would uh, imagine that's how you pronounce his name. He played in three games this season for Wisconsin, but his recent entrance into the transfer portal makes him a possible name to watch for Tennessee. Spent three seasons in three years in Madison playing in five games. Ugh. This has the sizzle of bacon in the refrigerator. I'll say this much for Wisconsin. He spent most of that time under Paul Crust. Paul Crist, whatever you think about him at Wisconsin, was part of that Wisconsin tradition of just developing a factory of offensive linemen. That, you know, it was it was the old Nebraska. Way. They'll be walk-ons and they'll turn into NFL Super Bowl offensive linemen. 
So while Wisconsin is nowhere near the program Tennessee is, Wisconsin is the standard for offensive linemen in the country beyond even Alabama or Penn State. It is the standard. So it can be hard to get into the rotation there. They moved him to the interior. The issue with him, and I'm going to send the worst signal imaginable to everybody that believes in the term student athlete. Okay. Um, the exciting thing to him is he, like Josh Dobbs, is an aerospace engineer. Well, perfect. Then we can talk about that for the rest of our lives because I get so sick of hearing about how Josh Dobbs is an aerospace engineer. Well, and also the issue of this, and I'm just going to say this, and I'm going to, Dave, you can tell me if I'm crazy or not. I think because of the age of NIL, coaches have a right now to tell players you should prioritize your football over your academics. Amen. You need to give up your aerospace engineering degree. Amen. Amen. Somebody, and you can, that's the thing. You can always come back to a school like Tennessee. They'll still give you your scholarship back 10 years later. I mean, Reggie Cobb did that. Fred White did that. And you've still got your scholarship years later. So I, yeah, I I don't have a problem with majoring in football. If if my son was going to college and he's majoring in sports management for, for a while. Yeah. Yeah. And some of these kids, it's balancing a checkbook. I mean, it really is. Um, So, no, I would have no problem if he's making a hundred thousand dollars a year and he can go back to school later. Focus on football. I, yeah, I have no problem with that being a major. I've said that for years uh, that that could be a major. How to uh, manage your finances? Do it. I think the first program to do that is is going to pick up a couple of big time signees because every single prospect believes they're going to be a star in the NFL. And I got bad news for you: only about. of you are going to be. Yeah. And just promise them that you'll honor their scholarship. If they ever want to come back to school and get their degree after playing football, there's no rule stopping the school from doing that. I mean, so no, almost every school does that. Now every big school does that. Now I don't know that um, some smaller schools can afford it because the check actually does have to change hands. It's not like just in house, like I buy you a beer at a bar. It's, it's not like that. A check has to change hands uh, because uh, they are, governmentally funded but um now let's get to fourth and also here's the thing could you shut up don't you make me run over you that'd be ugly wouldn't it go ahead caleb tennessee's program when it unraveled under butch jones it unraveled with an upset loss to south carolina after a bye butch jones deserves a lot of blame for that but it's because josh dobbs had a final that week an aerospace engineer final him being an aerospace engineer cost tennessee a chance at winning the east in 2016 so Focusing too much oh, on academics is a problem for your football program. Okay. By an hour way, in the classroom is worth more. An hour in the weight room is worth more than 10 in the library. I'm with you. Hey, by the way, which are you more sick of hearing more about? That Josh Dobbs is an aerospace engineer or that Joe Milton can throw the ball 85 yards? Uh, okay. Joe Milton throwing the ball 85 yards because I've heard of uh, quarterbacks my whole life with big arms that it doesn't mean anything. Jamarcus Russell, we were told, could throw it 70 yards on his knees. Um, and that didn't stop me from saying he'd be a giant bust of an NFL draft pick. Yep. Uh, Fred's on board. We're majoring in football. Somebody needs to do that right now. All SEC center Cooper Mays here. Fourth down. That's right, Coop. And if you talk over Caleb one more time, then I am absolutely I'm, – I'm, I'm going to your house and I'm going to get my rear beat. <laughs> I was going to say, what are you going to do? Stand up the group? <laughs> I, 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 I remember one time being on a radio show with somebody, and uh, it was a former offensive lineman, David Ligon, and uh, he, he said, um, it, it, 
what would you do if I wanted to fight you? And the host was Josh Ward. And he said, well, I would run. And David Ligon said, I ran a 4-9. I'd catch you. So there you go. So if Cooper wanted to, he could not only beat me up, but he could catch me and beat me up. All right, so fourth down is this. And if the Vols are done in the portal, is that okay? And I, it's different from the question, the, the poll question that we have on YouTube. Because I just want your take. If they're done now, if they if they lose Mincy and the guys that are in the portal, because they could still take them back. They don't have to, but they could. And I kind of wonder if Mincy was shown the door, given the timing of it, because they have depth for the Citrus Bowl. And then they say, you know, it might not be a bad idea if you go somewhere else. I wonder that out loud. But you thought they done, showed depth in the Citrus Bowl? <laughs> they needed as many players. Let me rephrase that. How about that? <laughs> that better <laughs> they didn't show I, I thought i thought that was the worst offensive line play i had seen in years <laughs> at tennessee no 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 no. but they needed them is, is is what i meant didn't show depth they needed depth all right so if the balls are done the portal is is that okay let's say you no 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 and no if they don't add another offensive lineman then all of my hype behind tennessee is going out the window. And y'all y'all think it's not all minute, going out the window because of Gerald Mincy. He was competent. He wasn't good, but he was competent. Every other offensive lineman is air. Okay. And you might as well put Dylan Sampson at right tackle at that point. Okay. So I am saying that Tennessee's offensive line depth Dylan is Sampson. horrendous. I, I know why you picked Dylan. I know why you picked Dylan Sampson there because he's the worst blocking running back that they have. He is the Dylan Sampson is the worst blocking running back in the history of blocking running backs. Okay. <laughs> like, a little strong. He's horrible. He's horrible at it. His his bad blocking outweighs his 133 yards on the ground. And he shouldn't see the field again until he learns to block. He's they don't have Gerald Mincy. This is not about Gerald Mincy being that good. He's below average. But guys, there is such thing as below average. That's a D. But then there's an F. Would you rather have like a 65 on an exam or would you rather have a zero? Okay, because every other um, offensive line is a zero. D means diploma. Uh, um, Dylan says, uh, nope, offensive line and secondary are still weak and depleted. Exactly, uh, Dylan. Nailed uh, it. Okay, I'm going to tell you why you're both wrong. You kept Coop, Keenan Pilly, and Brew McCoy and John Campbell. So, guys, come on. You can't have everything. You can't have your cake and eat it too. You can't you can't reinforce your lineup with players that could go elsewhere and then go out and add players that would be competing for playing time with them. No, it's just not like that. That You should be very happy with what has happened with the transfer portal because the money has, the NIL money has been spent on current players that are proven. Be happy, be excited. Dave, no one's asking for everything, but you can't go win in the SEC with just three linemen who can block it. Everybody else be trash. That's fair. So, again, uh, they have and, – and we don't have a confirm that Javante Spragans is back. We assume he's back. So, but uh, – uh, General Nealon says, I'd, I'd rather pay the teacher for an A, go uh, – and then – I don't know. Tamper, oh, so he's talking tamper. about the school pay. Yeah, it's getting to the point where the players are going to be able to pay the teachers. Have you ever thought about that? I mean, see, I'm not joking. Have you, have you ever thought that if a player said – hey, I'm not going to be eligible in the national championship game unless I pass this class. And I, I could uh, I could probably, you know, give you like $5,000. Do 
I mean, that's not much money to them anymore. It's not. And that's not what players used to have to do to get good grades in classes. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Um, If If you've ever blackmailed a college professor, raise your hand. Never. I'm a decent human being. I've did never you see done my that. hand go up. Yes, I saw your hand I go did. up, Dave. I did. I, I blackmailed a college professor. This is a well, true story. Saw saw her. She was a young lady. She was probably in her late twenties. I was twenty two in college, and uh, she was out partying a little bit too hard. And I just stood in the back and I watched her partying, taking shots, and getting wild. And I went up to her and I said, "Hey." How's, it, how's class? Uh, are we looking forward to class on Monday? And uh, she said, oh, and she's scared to death because she's like a first-year teacher. I said, you know, I'm not going to be going to class anymore, so I, I would still like an A, though, if you don't mind. And she did it. Wow. Wow. <laughs> strong or is wow. that strong? This day and age, Dave, that would totally work against you because she'd be like, hey, I'm allowed to party, and that's, you know, you still got to show up for class. <laughs> like, that's how, that's how that would go this day and age. But, like... Yeah, it's um, she gave me she gave me an A minus. I think it was just a little dig. She gave me the minus, but that freed up some of my time to be able to uh, watch more football. So that was good. That's and football's more important than class, guys. Y'all need to learn that. Okay, football's more important than class, and it's more important than church too. Wow. Uh, portions of the program but our society sometimes seems to think so because we place a bigger emphasis on that on sundays with the nfl but i mean and and, and, you know what it's so annoying when church church goes so long it cuts into nfl kickoff that's a problem guys okay (laughs) not get me started here he's joking message board sports treasures carrying over five million sports treasures and so much more follow on facebook for the best sports memorabilia daily updates Go to Facebook and uh, sign up there at Sports Treasures TN. Follow them. Man, they're sending out daily updates on Tennessee stuff all the time. It is phenomenal. You can also pick up my book there, uh, Celebrate 98, and uh, you can purchase it right below. So go to Facebook. That that link's right below for Sports Treasures TN. They're in North Knoxville. Stop by in the Halls area. Uh, They're phenomenal. Links below. Also, you can... Uh, purchase the book if you choose to. So in two minutes, here's what we're going to do. We're going to take a look at uh, Nico. And uh, this this guy, um, I, I'm sure you've heard of him. Iamaleava. So Nico Iamaleava now has Heisman odds. One of the guys that you're looking at was way ahead of the curve on this. And he can also spell. Um, so that would be Caleb Calhoun. You're not going to believe these Heisman odds. Two minutes off the hook sports with Caleb Calhoun. I'm Dave Booker. Sun, sand, and salt water. The beach is a very relaxing place. Unless you wear contacts. Ow! Open your eyes to the best the beach has to offer with LASIK vision correction from Campbell Cunningham Laser Center. Ah. Sports Treasures in North Knoxville is one of the South's largest sports cards and memorabilia dealers, featuring over 10 million sports cards from vintage to modern. Sports Treasures carries a full line of hobby boxes, singles, autographed memorabilia, Tennessee ball collectibles, fan cave decorations, and so much more. See a museum full of collectibles at Sports Treasures, 4819 North Broadway in Fountain City, and Sports Treasures on Facebook. Sports Treasures, where the real sports fan goes to shop. 
you seen the latest TriStar Hats Co. product? TriStar Hats Co.? What's that? You know, those really cool hats, shirts, tumblers, and even license plates with three stars like the official Tennessee flag and stripes like the American flag. Pretty patriotic if you ask me. Ah, gotcha. Seen those. Those are cool. Where can I get them? Simple. TriStarHatsCo.com. And if you order now, there's 10% on any order $50 or more. Plus, use the promo code HOOKED. With the promo code HOOKED, you get 10% off. That's HOOKED. And don't forget free shipping with any order over 50 bucks. Stock up at TriStarHatsCo.com. That's TriStarHatsCo.com. There are plenty of wannabes out there, so make sure you go to TriStarHatsCo.com for the best quality and customer service. Will do, and I'll be sure to use the promo code HOOKED. That's HOOKED when I do to save an additional 10% off. TriStarHatsCo.com. TriStar Hats Co. is a trademark of TriStar Hats Co. LLC. Any use without express written consent is prohibited. The Dave Hooker Show, represented by Banks and Jones, Tennessee's trial attorney. Play to win, banksjones.com. Objective coverage. Hey, that's new. If we get caught, we're going to jail. The Dave Hooker Show, a presentation of Off the Hook Sports. YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and the free Off the Hook Sports app. I'm going to need to see some identification. Back to Dave Hooker. This guy had it. I had it first. Caleb Calhoun said Nico will be a Heisman candidate in 2024. And he already is. Uh, I don't know that Vegas even had it out that early. And the odds might surprise you a little bit. Uh, I was... I was surprised. I thought, frankly, when Caleb said it, it was a little out there. I know some of you on the message board are ripping Caleb, but that's not fair. That's not nice. But FanDuel agrees with Caleb. So let's take a look at those odds. And as we take a look at the odds, it's brought to you by Campbell Cunningham, Taylor, and Hahn. I'll tell you more about them. But the odds for Nico winning the Heisman plus 1400. I know some people like me don't gamble regularly, but love sports. So explain what plus 1400 means. Is that a long shot? Is that a sure thing? Is that, and how does it pay out? Just explain that so that everybody's on the same page. If you don't mind, Caleb. Plus 1400 means 14 to one odds. So if you bet a hundred dollars, you win 1400. So it's, it it's pretty much that it's a lot easier to calculate the pluses than it is the minuses. Put it that way. Okay. So, Okay, so I bet on a horse one time um, in the Kentucky Derby that was 30 to 1. And I thought that was a really good middle spot because I wanted to win some money. I didn't want to go. I think the the favorite was like 6 to 1. And I didn't want to go 100 to 1 because I thought that was throwing away my money. So 14 to 1 to me means it's pretty damn possible. Very possible. And for those of you reach. For those of you who said, I just want to point this out real quick. Because I got accused when this started of saying this, of just, I'm saying a hot take for hot takes for our show. What do you guys think Vegas, which sets lines and has actual financial interest in this, do you think they set lines for hot takes, Dave? You think Vegas is like, let's set a hot take line. No, they set a line to try to get money out of you from it. The opposite of a hot take line. But No, but I do want to ask some of the people in the message board to be nicer to Caleb because he's getting defensive. (laughs) (laughs) you don't have to defend yourself i'm defending Uh, my honor okay so let's go through the want to go through the heisman list real quick 
I do. And it's brought to you by Campbell Cunningham, Taylor, and Han. Campbell Cunningham, Taylor, and Han. Look at me, LASIK, and uh, I don't have contacts. I don't have glasses, and it's awesome, and they can do it for you. Cataract surgery as well. The best part, they're local in Knoxville, so they take care of you. That is Campbell Cunningham, Taylor, and Han. Go to ccteyes.com, ccteyes.com. Calm. All right, so what do we got? Heisman odds, and as a matter of fact, I'm glad you're pulling it up because for some reason it will not open on my computer. All right, so there's three tied in the lead right now, and they're all at plus 750. One is Quinn Ewers at Texas. I think that's a pretty reasonable one to be tied for the top, right? Um, yeah, but I, again, I want to just underscore how we're talking about a 7-1 to one guy being the leader the in the clubhouse and Nico's 14 to one. That's not a big difference and could change and will change after the Chattanooga game. Yes. I mean, it absolutely will. He'll be more like an eight to one after the Chattanooga game. I agree. So tied for one, all three at seven fifty are Quinn Ewers, Carson Beck and Jalen Milrow are all tied for the leader at plus seven fifty. By the way, after watching the Michigan game, I don't think Jalen Miller should be on there. I think you could tell me if I'm wrong. I think Michigan actually laid a blueprint for how to make Jalen Miller ineffective, and I think Alabama's going to have quarterback issues again next year if they stick with him. Um, um, they, uh, I think they've got a pro style quarterback with a, uh, a pro style coach with a non pro style quarterback is what I think. I think you've got to kind of tailor make your offense around him, kind of like a Mike Vick sort of thing. Um, and then you got Dylan Gabriel, Will Howard, and then there's Nico. Well, hold on. Yeah, I'm going through them. Dylan Gabriel at plus Dylan Gabriel at plus 1000. And which again, I, I will say that I don't understand how Dylan Gabriel is ahead of Nico. He just transferred to Oregon. And so I, I, that's a little tricky, but yeah, then, uh, Nico. And then also Will Howard is, he is tied for Nico with the, at fifth. They're both at plus 1,400. Will Howard just transferred to Ohio State. I mean, I'm looking at this list. I think Nico should be third. I think he's still being disrespected, honestly. I'm I'm going to push back a little bit here. Um, And I don't completely agree with this, but I'm going to throw this at you. Um, He's just on there because Tennessee fans are notorious as a fan base for being one of the most gambling uh, fan bases in college football. That's a fact. And you got to put him up there to take some money. Vegas doesn't even really know if he's a Heisman candidate, but he's a hot name coming off a great showing at the Citrus Bowl. So he has to be on the list. No, I'm saying he should be higher. I don't know how he's lower no, than I'm, Gabriel. I'm, well, I'm arguing that for fun's sake, right? That he shouldn't yeah. be on the list, that he's just on the list because he's interesting, got a big name, and had a great day on January the 1st. Yeah, but here's the flaw in that. I thought, okay, and I wanted to bring this up, and I'm going to lay this out for you guys real quick. There's something weird happening with Tennessee in the betting markets right now. So Nico Iamaliava is tied for the fifth best Heisman odds on FanDuel. That same FanDuel has Tennessee at the 16th best odds to win the national title. I'm sorry, that gap doesn't make sense. If Nico Iamaliava is in New York next year, Tennessee is going to be one of the five contenders for the national title. Um, I think he could have a 
big year and Tennessee could make the playoffs, but I don't know the top five necessarily. Do you so you think you think Nico Iamaliava is a potential like Jaden Daniels this past year at LSU? You think that could happen with Nico? Because I don't. I think if Nico's in New York, I think Tennessee is that he could be really good and his team be uh have, have three losses like LSU. Yeah. His team underwhelm. I don't think that Tennessee's going to underwhelm, but I think he could put up the type of numbers to get him to New York and the losses wouldn't be held against him because of Josh Heupel's offense. Does that make sense? Yes. That, that, that's what I was wondering if you thought that I, that's what FanDuel is predicting. And here's why that was so weird to me, Dave. I told Tennessee fans not to worry about Tennessee having the 16th best odds for the title yesterday because I said FanDuel just they looked at the Vegas odds looked at Nico's stats and didn't think it was that good so because they didn't see the game I was wrong they did look at Nico and how he played the game otherwise they wouldn't have given them the fifth best Heisman odds if they're giving him the fifth best Heisman odds but putting Tennessee at 16th to win the national title Dave I'm just going to tell you they know something they know they know there were issues beyond Nico with Tennessee that we may not even know right now and that is a concern for Tennessee long term because I'm telling you guys, Vegas, y'all are like, the games are played on the field, not in Vegas. Yes, but Vegas knows more than anybody else. So they're Except they're deeply tied in. <laughs> they are deeply tied in. This is why if Alabama and Georgia, Vegas doesn't get fooled by results. I know it's weird to say, but Alabama beat Georgia this year in Atlanta. If Alabama and Georgia played again, Georgia would still be favored. You know why? Because as Dave will tell you, and as I will tell you, Georgia's was a better team than Alabama this past year. I don't care that Alabama beat them in the SEC title. I'm going to give you three reasons why he's overrated for the sake of debate. Okay. And I think he's about right. So you, you and I genuinely disagree. You would have him higher. I think he's about right. I'm going to give you three reasons why he's, he's overrated in the Heisman race. And you give me three reasons why he's underrated. One, I think he had a big day right before the national, uh, uh, the, the semifinals. And I think a lot of people watched that game like, oh, I like this guy. He doesn't try to throw it through his receivers' bodies like the other guy. And so I think that's a factor. I think, uh, two, Josh Heupel's offense. Um, and I think, three, Tennessee is a big, big gambling college football program, one of the top five in the nation last I checked uh, with some people in Vegas. So those are my three reasons why he's overrated. Give me three reasons why he's underrated. Okay. So three reasons why he's underrated. One, I think people looked at the stat line from Nico on Monday and didn't actually see the game a lot of times. And they see, Oh, he only threw for 150 yards and one touchdown. And that one touchdown wasn't even a touchdown. So they didn't actually see all the times he was hit. They didn't see that he had a running back who is the most useless blocker in the history of running backs and that he had a makeshift offensive line. I think the other thing that makes him underrated is I think there is a belief out there that because of what Joe Milton did this year, that Josh Heupel's offense has been figured out. I think people think, I think there's really? a national belief. Yeah. I think people nationally think that, that I think some people think that because it wasn't just a drop-off from 2022 to 2023 offensively. Dave. It was a drop-off from Josh Heupel's whole career as an offensive coordinator to 2023. 2023 was his worst offensive year by far ever. So that would lead people to think that, oh, Josh Heupel's gotten figured out after one year. The third reason I think he's underrated 
is because I think the quarterbacks ahead of him are overrated. I think not, not all of them. I don't think Carson Beck's overrated. I'm with you. Carson Beck looks like a Heisman contender right now. And he looks like a number one draft pick in the future. Quinn Ewers. I'm not low. I, I'm high on Quinn Ewers, but yeah, I think Will Howard, Jalen Milrow and Dylan Gabriel. I think they're all overrated. I think Dylan Gabriel going to Oregon. I think that is solely based on what Bo Nix did this past year at Oregon and not based on what Dylan oh, Gabriel is going to be able to do. No, I totally agree. Good Lord. If Bo Nix can do it, Caleb can probably do it. <laughs> I, remember so, when, I remember when Bo Nix couldn't complete three uh, passes in a row in practice, and suddenly he's a Heisman contender. I'm like, what happened to you? Travis says, let's talk about Hypo's offense. If we run the same stuff next year as we did this year, the results will be the same. Travis is good about keeping me in check for not being too hard on Joe Milton, but I think they ran different stuff because of his limitations. They did. That's absolutely what they had to do they ran way too many screens but you're right we know that it guys joe milton it's not even the deep balls that were the issue the fundamental flaw with joe milton was he was not sure when to run with it you know and again he needed to run a lot more than he did when he, you're right i never thought about it but after watching nico he's smaller but like he's a way more fluid runner than milton like joe milton seems like he should be a better runner but nico's a better runner and hey. There's a difference between lateral athleticism and just straight ahead speed and physical ability. And like, like, let's say offensive line, you don't need as much lateral, but there are certain skill positions where you got to be able to flip your hips. And I, I never thought Joe Milton could do that. Yeah, you're right. That's a, kind of a issue with his. But then the other one is just look touch yeah, over that, the middle. That's his cross to bear from now on. I feel like I've been too hard on Joe Milton. So I wish him best of luck. I hope he's the number one pick in the NFL. But I just told you what I thought about him the whole season long, and it kind of got me uh, criticized a little bit, which I can handle. Daniel says Nico was also doing something Hooker nor Joe did. He's reading the entire field. We talked about that on our post-game show. Um, it was like the third play from the first game where I thought he, he he looked at one receiver, looked at a second receiver, looked at a third receiver. You could see his head move, and then took off and ran. Now, it was called back because I believe it was a false start. But that, to me, I could have turned the game off right then and said, Nico is going to have a great game. And that was the third play. I remember that. And remember how Iowa played. They bank on you being impatient. So they banked of, we're not going to bring pressure because we think Nico is a freshman is impatient and is going to try to get rid of the ball, but he didn't. And that was a big sign. Now, I'm going to be fair to Hendon Hooker. Guys, we don't know if Hendon Hooker could or could not read the entire field. He didn't really have to read the entire field when he in 2022, right, Dave? His first read was almost always there. <laughs> So I, think, I, I think his first read was a, a lot of times to the X or the Y, and then I went to the slot, and the slot's who? Jalen Hyatt. Jalen Hyatt. Yeah, <laughs> he so. won the Blitnikoff Award. I think he was open a lot. <laughs> you, did, yeah, says, you didn't really have to go to your third read. Uh, Travis says, Nico looks to be the best runner we've had since Condridge. Uh, well, Brent Schaefer. Uh, you'd have Brent Schaefer. Uh, I don't know. I think that's a little strong. I'm, I'm a Schuler guy. I will say this, though, in the Heisman race that having that duality the ability to be able to run around i think helps you as opposed to a pure pocket passer a la peyton manning am i wrong well i mean it didn't work against peyton manning because they had no problem giving it to danny warfel the year before well no Uh, but i think for the most part it's sexier if a guy can run around isn't it it is it is and and, and even nowadays, oftentimes in college, the pocket passers still show mobility. I mean, Joe Burrows was a pure pocket passer, but I think he ran for, what, 12 touchdowns? Was Didn't he run for a lot of yards at LSU? 
that one year. And yeah, um, he's not like considered like a Johnny Menzel type or a Cam Newton type. So yeah, that will help. I do think Nico will be more of a pocket passer than your high, your traditional Heisman winners of the past 10, 12, 15 years when he does win the Heisman, because I'm still seeing he's going to win the Heisman. Um, but the last immobile quarterback to win, it might've been Matt Leinart, I would say. Yep. And I think um, Derek uh, absolutely nailed this. Nico's hips, eyes, and shoulder movements upfield is why they're comparing him to Bryce Young. Totally agree. A lot of people say a bigger Bryce Young. So I've heard that before. Um, and yeah, I think there's there's a little bit of And you guys didn't oh you're right. And you guys didn't get a chance to see. Oh, okay. I have to go to the message board. Ball fan for life has to be trolling. He's joking. Casey was a decent <laughs> runner. Casey couldn't run 40 yards. Um, but, uh, yeah, I got, a Casey I got a Casey Clawson after you're done uh, pro day story. If you'd like to hear it, I'd love to hear it, but yeah. So Nico, Nico had the prettiest deep ball. I mean, Nico has a pretty deep ball that you guys haven't seen yet. Unless you watch the Polynesian bowl. Cause Iowa didn't give him a chance to throw it really. I mean, they weren't, no, that, that's right their, back. yeah, that's their calling card. You're going to see a lot of that next year where Nico is going to, Look, a lot of teams played soft on Heupel this year because they didn't want a Jalen Hyatt situation and Joe Milton didn't have the touch over the middle that was necessary. Nico has the touch. You're going to see some beautiful deep balls next year, and you're going to be like, oh, my gosh, this guy's amazing. And by the way, unlike with him, where it will be different from Hendon Hooker, you're going to see a few one-on-one deep balls, Dave, that will be thrown to where only the receiver can catch it. You're going to see Brew McCoy well covered, and Nico still throw it to a spot 40 yards down the line where only Brew McCoy can catch it. I thought on the fly route in the Citrus Bowl, it was a Ramel Keaton lost it in the sun, which I'm yeah. not blaming Ramel Keaton. I thought that was a well-thrown ball because it was the outside shoulder, so it couldn't be intercepted. I thought that was a perfectly thrown ball. As a You're right. Fact. It was. That would be an example. Uh, all right. So all right, here's my Casey Clawson story real quick on Pro Day because um, you mentioned the 40-yard dash. So I go up to an NFL scout. For some reason, Casey goes – none of the players go out there. I don't care how ripped you are. Some do, but 95% of the players never take their shirts off, okay? So for a quarterback to take his shirt off is a little weird, unless you're Brady Quinn, right? So I went up to a scout, and Casey did okay, but, man, he was skinny. Caleb, I bet you with your shirt off looked about the same as Casey Clawson because you're a skinny dude, and I mean that as a compliment for coming from a fat guy. So – uh but I went to a scout and I said, how did, uh, how did Clawson do? He said, well, he shouldn't have taken his shirt off. <laughs> Is that guy ever seen the weight room? That's so crazy. But like, that is, I did not Very know Very true. Like he never went in the weight room. Ever. Well, wasn't he recruited because of his arm strength? Wasn't that like when in 2000, wasn't that the thing they fell in love with him coming from California? Oh yeah. I mean, I thought he had great arm strength. Um, Arms, but arm strength's in the hips. That's true. Arms, well, yeah. I mean, is that why he didn't get drafted? I always wonder why he didn't get drafted because I thought that, you know, I mean, I know the questions were how good is Clawson behind when he's not behind a massive offensive line because even though the receivers were bad in 03, he did have a pretty good pass protection in 03, his senior year, if I remember correctly. Um, yeah, no, so. I, I, I thought Casey Clawson should have been uh, drafted. I, I feel like Casey Clawson um, really, really liked football. I don't know that. Well, he's still a coach and he's having great success. So um, I don't know. Casey Clawson to me is one of the most misunderstood players because there's nobody that would do more for the University of Tennessee and no better road warrior than him. 
Uh, this Day in Tennessee Football History is brought to you by our friends at Rick Terry Jewelry Design. They want to be your jeweler looking for affordable game day jewelry. How about the Fire Opals, a Tennessee tradition? Go to rickterryjewelry.com, rickterryjewelry.com. All right. It was this day in Tennessee football history that the Vols are arriving back home or going to their various schools 25 years later after winning the national championship in Tempe. Did Tennessee do enough to celebrate? And I'm not just saying that to try to sell a book, but you can get celebrate 98, the untold stories behind the Tennessee Vols 1998 national championship right below. But did Tennessee do enough to celebrate that? Because I remember at the time, I had just started in the media biz. And I remember at the time saying, where's the parade down Gay Street? What's going on? And I never thought they did. And I would include having a statue of Philip Fulmer up there. They never did any of that. And I don't know if it was because the university was taken by surprise that they won a national championship or why. But I don't feel like that championship, and it's part of, it, part of the reason I wrote the book, was, was celebrated enough. That is not easy to do there's not a lot of schools that have won a national championship in the modern era i didn't think they did either and philip fulmer himself actually said that he regretted not celebrating it enough after they won it but i do think there were there was a layer to this recruiting he went Went right right back to recruiting yeah he did i think fulmer I, i i think there was such a and, you know, Fred has talked about this. You've talked about this with players. You kind of gather it when you go back and watch it. I don't think I've ever seen Tennessee have a more business-like approach to a game than they did the Fiesta Bowl against Florida State. Have you, Dave? I mean, they were all – because there was – remember, that that whole month off when after Tennessee wins the SEC title, Florida State backs in, the whole talk is that Tennessee's not on Florida State's level talent-wise. Remember that? That they're not on oh, yeah. Florida State's level. It's all about Peter Warwick. And it just felt like it felt like Tennessee knew they were better, but they just seemed to have an insane business level approach of so focused on the game that they I, I feel like I feel like that seeped to the rest of the community. So they kind of forgot to plan on what to do if they won. Which I no, guess is a positive. No, you're right. Um and and listen, they were a surprise to win it all year. So I get that. But man, I, I just think there would be some fantastic pictures of parades going down Gay Street and maybe down to the strip or wherever. I just think that would have been that would have been super cool. And I'm still up for the Philip Fulmer statue. Still up for that one. And I don't know that that's going to happen anytime soon. But there I am. This day in Tennessee football history is brought to you by Rick Terry Jewelry Design. Now I ask you this: Balls win um, in the Fiesta Bowl. I don't think there's any question that helped Tennessee moving forward in recruiting, right? I mean, they almost played for another national championship in 2001. Tennessee, I felt like, could just go pick four and five stars from everywhere. Did it help them the next season? Probably not. Tennessee probably had a better team in 99 than they did in 98. They had a healthy Jamal Lewis back. And I think overall, we're a better team. There were a lot of guys that starred in 98 that really didn't have a lot of experience. So you have players with more experience. I think they were a little cocky and had a national championship in their pocket. So does a bowl win, in particular, this Citrus Bowl, does it really help the next season and end of the offseason? Will the Citrus Bowl win help the balls? 
I think this type of win. I want to say it's going to be neutral because there were so few players that will be back in the rotation that were in that bowl game. Um, It won't be like, look, sometimes bowl losses help you. I think the 42 to 17 thrashing by Nebraska helped Tennessee so much for the Fiesta Bowl the next year when they played Florida State. I think that's why they, you've heard it, Dave, right? That Fred will tell you that's why they won the national title, right? They spent the whole offseason getting kicked into high gear to try to go win that national title. Michael Jordan will tell you the best thing that ever happened to him was losing that game seven to the Pistons the next year because that's what made him work out so hard in that offseason. They probably would have beaten the Pistons anyway, but I don't know if they win six rings with that level of determination. So the losses, I feel like, in bowls sometimes helped in wins. I think this type of bowl game, I, I don't think it does any real positives for them. But I could be wrong. But I, I don't think it does any real positives for them. Well, I think you answered, in my opinion, answered the question correctly. You don't know. You don't know how they're going to take a loss or a win. I think with the excitement around Nico and the fact that this team could do something special and, uh, and make a 12-team playoff, which I, I think they will, is I, I think you build off that and it's, it's exciting. And I, I think this team has the leadership especially with a Cooper Mays coming back and a Keenan Pilly, who somebody pointed out on Twitter hasn't played much, but I'm, I'm told he's an, an incredible leader in the locker room already. Okay. So, and has been since he arrived on campus. So I think with the leadership, you'll be good. It, it just depends how you accept it. Do you sit on your laurels? I mean, when Tennessee, and, and this is in the book, but when Tennessee came back from the 98 national championship, uh, I'm sorry, then it would be the 98 Fiesta bowl which led into the 98 season, right? Okay. So yes. when they lost that game, and they lost to Orange Bowl. Excuse me, Orange Bowl. I'm getting messed up. Orange Bowl, Peyton's last game. I was told, and it's in the book, that Al Wilson had everybody working out in the weight room two days after they returned. So this day in Tennessee football history could be Al Wilson in the weight room. Uh, well, no, he would have been gone. But uh, that's – I think it just depends on how you take it as your leaders. Yeah, no, you you were right. It does. It all depends on the leadership. And I think Tennessee does have the right leaders. Look, we we have a guy on the show, uh, Cooper Mays. Cooper Mays was there for Tennessee when they lost to Purdue two years ago in the Music City Bowl. When they got robbed. By the way, that's their only bowl loss in a decade plus, and they got cheated in that game. Jalen Wright scored. But they came back and went 11-2 the next year. I don't think people are going to say they may have rested on their laurels with last year's Orange Bowl win. I don't think they rested on their laurels. I just think Joe Milton was limited. I think it was just that simple, honestly. So I think they have the right leaders to stay focused on the year. I think more than anything, just from a financial perspective, the bowl win helps Tennessee because I think it is going to spike ticket sales. And not, not that they weren't already spiked, but it's going to increase prices. More people are going to be fighting for those tickets because now everybody got a taste of Nico and everybody wants to see him next year now. So I think the bowl win, the, the most important thing it did was generate hype for Ticket sales, and in an age of NIL, guys, ticket sale revenue matters a lot. Dave, you've covered teams in the 2000s, right, where it's not that Tennessee ever had trouble selling tickets, but there were years where maybe the sale, the fight for season tickets weren't at what they were in previous years. No, I, I agree, and I think there are going to be more donations because of Nico to the school. I think there are going to be more NIL donations. Now, that doesn't mean that they had the cash on hand. 
because we were talking earlier about is Tennessee out of NIL money. Um, I guess only Spire Sports knows that for sure. But uh, with with Tennessee, they they can only pay so many players, Caleb. But that money that could come in from Nico playing in the Citrus Bowl is budgeted by businesses. So it's not like somebody. It's not like Walmart's going to call up and say, hey, that Citrus Bowl just ended. Can I pledge $10 million to Spire Sports? I mean, these are budgeted over years. So the impact of Nico in NIL and in overall funding coming into the university and collectives may not be felt for another another year. No, that's very true. You're right. And it's but it's still it still could be helpful. I mean, it, it, that's where it would help long-term. It probably doesn't help this year. Where it helps this year is if Tennessee goes and adds some players on the transfer portal. And we don't know if they're going to be doing that yet. So we're going to have to see how that goes. But it's definitely still could be helpful this year. We just don't know exactly how helpful. And that's kind of the question that we're asking at the moment. But uh, overall, I mean, I don't think this bowl win hurts. I don't think Tennessee is going to rest on their laurels because they won this bowl game. I mean, I know this. I think that... There are some bowl games where the losses actually hurt. You covered the Music City Bowl loss, right? With uh, North to North Carolina, the third when North Carolina yeah. ran like twenty five men on the field, right? Yeah, I, yeah, I, I think. think I hurt. mean, I, there are some bowl games I just soon forget, but yeah, this no, is a Tyler Bray year where uh, where James and Jackson laid the dirty hit that set up the North Carolina game tying field goal um, in North Carolina. Yeah, but at I least think that, that didn't lead life. to more moral issues for Jansen. No, not at all. Jansen, noted respecter of human life. Um, <laughs> Murder. But, uh, but Derek Dooley, I think that bowl loss really hurt Derek Dooley because I think in recruiting that sent a message that this guy doesn't know how to do in-game coaching at all. He can't handle, you know, late-game tight situations. I think that did so much damage to Dooley, that bowl loss, quite now, honestly. What's the most impactful bowl game, that win or loss, win or lose, that uh, – Tennessee has had, in your opinion, brought to you by Tennessee Cider Company, the original hard cider of the Smoky Mountains. Use that promo code HAT to receive some free swag with your cider order. Available most anywhere in the U.S. TNCiderCompany.com. TNCiderCompany.com. I don't even think it's close. I think the 97 uh, loss in the Orange Bowl, 97-98 Orange Bowl, was the the biggest loss in, or the biggest the most impactful bowl in Tennessee football history because it led to some players being really mad and it led to a, cha- a national championship. I can't even come up with a close second. You? I'm trying. I, I it, It's very hard for me to come up with a close second. The only one I could maybe say is the 86 Sugar Bowl win over Miami because I think that actually brought Tennessee back to national prominence and helped Johnny Majors recruit on a national level. Because if you remember – there were eight or nine years of majors of mediocrity, right? And they weren't that good his first eight or nine years. They kind of backed their way into the SEC title uh, that year. Florida was on probation. A lot of things happened. So they get to the Sugar Bowl. And you may remember, I mean, you were, I, I think you were a kid at the time, but you could tell me, didn't, wasn't the R at the time, like Tennessee wasn't even in Miami's class, didn't belong on the same field. Oh, yeah. And, yeah, definitely. And, and they just, yeah. Because you know I'm a Cowboys fan, so I read about I've read Jimmy Johnson's book and I've read uh, the Cowboys book, and they thought that they were going to roll in there and just thrash Tennessee, and the entire country did it too. Yeah, so and they were and they were already campaigning to say that we should be national champs if we win this game, we should be number one. And I think Tennessee's win didn't that help Tennessee go and recruit nationally after that and put them back on the map on the national yeah, map? Look at the, 
yeah, you look at the talent they had. Oh, was it 89 they started 0 and 6? That was because they were 88. 88. 88. They had some defensive coordinator issues, um, but that's another story. They had the talent. There's no question. Now, uh, Rocky Top Tom brings up a good one that was impactful, and that was the 33-3 to loss in the Peach Bowl to Maryland. That was devastating. He goes on to say it sealed the end for Philip Fulmer. I hadn't thought of that really that way. I, I, I covered that game. I hadn't thought that it sealed the end. Do you think that game was that impactful in his? That's opinion? a really great point by Rocky Top Tom. And I'm going to bring up why, actually. I never even thought of that until he said it. Because there was no early signing period. And that was the 2002 team that started out number five, got hit with the injury bug, and went eight and five, as you remember, Dave, very well. Mm-hmm. They finished with a loss to Maryland. 2003, They in, it's their first non-top 25 finish since 1988. Their recruiting ranking in twenty in two thousand three was eighteenth. That was by far the lowest ranked recruiting class Philip Former had ever had at Tennessee, at the, up to that point because he had had all top five classes from pretty much ninety three to two thousand one or to two thousand two. Undoubtedly, we have the smartest uh, community and group of viewers and listeners. Thank you, Rocky Top Tom. That was a fantastic point, no question about it. All right, Tennessee's. Still a draw, a big television draw, and maybe even bigger than you think. I'll I'll tell you about that here in just one second. First, the Hemp House, the premier hemp dispensary online with a wide variety and great selection. Strict standards to ensure you only receive the best in CBD or Delta products. Hemp House chat with 2Ts.com. Hemp House chat with 2Ts.com. Use the promo code HOOKED. That's HOOKED and get 10% off. And they have the Big Orange Crunch, which you need to check out as well. So go to Chat with 2 tscom These television ratings really, really surprised me. Two minutes with Caleb Calhoun. I'm Dave Hooker off Thug Sports. Got cataracts? We can fix that. Never miss another moment. With a little help from Drs. Campbell, Cunningham, Taylor, and Hahn at cctis.com. Hi, I'm Rick Terry, and we at Rick Terry Jewelry Designs pride ourselves in the highest quality craftsmanship from a family-owned business here in Knoxville for over 35 years. At Rick Terry Jewelry Designs, we also take pride in being an affordable option for all your game day accessories, especially those fire opals. At Rick Terry Jewelry Designs, we want to be your jeweler every day and especially on game day. Go Vols! Hi, Mike Davis here with City Heating and Air, reminding you to always dare to compare. Our team provides quality local heating and air service, installation, and maintenance across East Tennessee. We use only the best equipment like American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning for your residential, new construction, or commercial needs. Honesty, dependability, and customer satisfaction have been the cornerstones of our business since 1961. City Heat and Air. We believe every day is a good day to be thirsty. With free samples on draft and lots of flavors to choose from, Tennessee Cider Company prepares a hard cider that's easy to enjoy. Some say it's the signature cider of the South. Others say it's the cure to your craving. They all say you'll savor every sip. The area of Gatlinburg has so much to offer, and so does Tennessee Cider Company. Add us to your list for shopping and fun experiences. You'll be glad you made the trip. Find our cidery in the Mountain Mall on the Gatlinburg Parkway. 
Sip smart. Sip the good stuff. Sip Tennessee Cider Company. Thirsty yet? Doors open at 10 a.m. This is Jacob Warren asking you to like, subscribe, and share. Dave needs this. The Dave Hooker Show, represented by Banks and Jones, Tennessee's trial attorneys. Play to win, banksjones.com. Um, who's this guy? Hello, wizard. The Dave Hooker Show, Ooh. a presentation of Off the Hook Sports. What? YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and the free Off the Hook Sports app. Back to Dave Hooker. Interesting take during the break. Trevor says, I think Tennessee had their chance to keep Georgia in mediocrity perpetually in the early to late 2000s and didn't take advantage of that. Before we get to those television ratings, how does that strike you, Caleb? Well, I think a lot of the reason Georgia was mediocre in the 90s was they just had really, really stupid coaches. But um, so I think a competent coach would make. But I, I will say this. Does Mark Rick recruit as well as he does after his first year if he doesn't have that upset at Tennessee in 2001, the Dominic Stevenson play fake bite, the David Green, the hobnail boot game? Yeah. Still can't believe you bit on that, but um, no, probably not. Probably, probably Tennessee that was still rolls Georgia, right? Yeah, because that was you look back. One of the ways coaching works, and once you know, as we get to the sports history, uh, as we keep these sports history videos going, and guys, please keep checking them out every Sunday. But I'm going to break down how what makes certain coaches successful. Every coach that had success always needs a signature win their first year, right? Some mm-hmm. signature win that had like. And Mark Rick had that signature win at Tennessee. I'm not so sure coaches are believing. I'm not so sure recruits are believing in Mark Rick or he has anything to sell to recruits if he doesn't have that win at a top 10, top five Tennessee team at Neyland Stadium. I mean, Nick Saban the year before. Does Nick Saban turn LSU into what they became if he doesn't get a signature win against Tennessee in overtime at home? You remember that one, Dave, the Rohan Davey breakout game. And uh, it felt like there, there was a couple of years that Tennessee was giving every player and coach their breakout game, did it not? It did. Think, they gave every part of that was because they were so good and they got the, everybody's best shot. They did, but you're right. They gave uh, they gave Nick Saban two signature wins, 2000, and then the 2001 SEC title, and they gave Mark Rick his signature win in 2001. And so, yeah, I, look, in the year before, Georgia beat Tennessee under Jim Donnan and stormed the field. Now they fired Jim Donnan, but I mean, it was just. You're right. They were they were giving coaches signature wins left and right and helping them emerge. And so that. That's an interesting point. I'll have to think about it. That if if Tennessee does its job and beats Georgia in 2001, and forget the Stevenson play fake, the stupid squib kick. I I don't know why Fulmer did a squib kick right there, but it for it was yeah, it was a colossal last few seconds. There's no question about it. But still, that, that would have been on my football IQ segment. <laughs> yeah, the Steve the Stevenson though. I mean. God bless him. I'm not trying to throw one guy under the bus. Body on a play fake when they don't have any timeouts and there's like three seconds left doesn't make any sense because they if there was about the three and a half four yard line they were not going to they were not going to run gonna football. Run I, I think no. honestly they were just in a rush and and called a play action because they wanted that route. Um, yes. and that route was part of that play. Uh, I think play action was just there because they practiced it uh represented by banks and jones tennessee's trial attorneys play to win banksandjones.com other lawyers say they'll go to trial they won't they'll settle and sell for less banks and jones ready to go to trial for you banks and jones led by t scott jones criminal defense and uh personal injury 
as well. So they are fantastic at Banks and Jones. All right, Tennessee's, uh, I've been teasing this for a second. I apologize for the long tease. But uh, Tennessee's television ratings, uh, as usual, I'm not really surprised by this news. But I guess I'm continually surprised by how awesome Tennessee's fan base is because I feel like Tennessee could show up in Atlanta after an injury bug season, play a Maryland team with only one guy named Levenberry that you've ever heard of, and they would still show up and sell the place out, and they'd still watch and uh, love it. But that's just how great Tennessee's fan base is. So they're going to show up no matter what. They did so in the entire last decade when the balls were so down. But they definitely showed up for the Citrus Bowl in terms of viewerships. Uh, so in viewership in the Orange Bowl, um, yeah, Georgia and Florida State got 10.39 million viewers. Uh, you had the semifinal at the Sugar Bowl that uh, got 18.7 million viewers. And then Michigan, Alabama got a whopping 27 million viewers, but that's because it's in prime time. So after that, it's the Cotton Bowl, Missouri and Ohio State got 9.7 million. The Peach Bowl gets 7.7 million. And then the Citrus Bowl gets 6.8 million viewers. That is not the same as a semifinal, and you wouldn't expect it. But what do you make of that number? It's an incredible number. Every other bowl you mentioned, Dave, is a New Year's Six Bowl. Every single one. And Tennessee beat a New Year's Six Bowl, by the way. The Citrus Bowl beat a New Year's Six Bowl because Oregon Liberty was a New Year's Six Bowl, and it had 4.67 million viewers. Um, I guess Liberty fans would rather watch uh, some other things than watch their team in a bowl game. But <laughs> uh, I um, inside joke, guys, go look up Jerry Falwell Jr. in Liberty. So... <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Right, I just so had to go. Continue there. With Tennessee. <laughs> Tennessee had the fifth best bowl ratings, the best non-New Year's Six Bowl. They're over 2 million viewers clear of any other non-New Year's Six Bowl viewer, guys. The closest one was the ReliQuest Bowl, which is the Outback Bowl, LSU-Wisconsin. That had 4.61 million viewers. Tennessee, and, and let's make no mistake about it, Uh, it was... Tennessee and LSU had a similar situation. They were starting their quarterback of the future, Garrett Nussmeyer at LSU, who John Adams has come on and said he thinks is the best quarterback in the SEC that wasn't starting this year. That was, by the way, Tennessee, who had the best quarterback in the SEC who wasn't starting this year. But I believe in Garrett Nussmeyer. Um, Tennessee, though, starting Nico, that what? Let me ask you this, Dave. Where would this ranking have been had Joe Milton been the starter in the bowl game? I don't think it would have been significantly different. I think you think it still would have been number five. Uh, I'm not going to say number five. I mean, right below it was the Fiesta Bowl, Oregon, Liberty, and that was 4.6 million. So yeah, yeah, but Tennessee was two million clear of the Fiesta Bowl, right? So I'll say still number five with Joe Milton. I don't think it was the Nico factor because that was dropped over the weekend or on a Friday, if I remember correctly. So I don't think people tuned in because of Nico. I think we know who Nico is, but those people that know who Nico is, we're going to watch anyway. Does that make sense? Yeah, I get what you're saying, but I, I still think more people watch because of Nico. So it, it may have still be number five, but I bet a million fewer watch it. I bet you're at 5.8 million. You know, I'd be interested to see, because we can see this on, on our videos, uh, how many viewers go up or drop off. 
I would be interested to see um, if there's started to be some chatter on Twitter about, hey, Tennessee has this new freshman guy. You should flip over. He looks really good. I had a buddy of mine who's a Georgia fan, and but he's a very casual college football fan, and he brought up, man, this Nico guy looks pretty good. And I think there's a reason the SEC put them in that time slot. There was nothing else going on then. You have the day off, uh, nurse your hangover with a, a good football game. wasn't a good football game, but it was a good performance by, by Nico. So I would be interested to see if the viewership went up throughout the game, which it may may have well done despite a blowout. That's very possible that it did. I, I I think that's highly possible. I think a lot of people are excited about what a guy like Nico can do. Look, whatever you want to say about football, you say the college football playoffs, a TV show. Football is a TV show nowadays. And a quarterback and a great system is a TV show. Tim Tebow was a TV show. Wasn't Tebow must-see TV every week he played at Florida? And, I mean, Nico is is pretty much the same way. So I think that that definitely helped. Look, and I know you guys, I know you disagree with me on this, Dave. I know you guys disagree with me, but look, in the future of the college football playoff, we say the expectations are like three out of every four years Tennessee should be in, right? Yes. There will inevitably be years in those, though, where Tennessee's on the cusp of the 11 to 13 range, right? Like just barely in? Yes. Yeah. There will uh, Years will come like that. You don't think things like this Citrus Bowl rating will have an impact on Tennessee getting the nod and getting the um, benefit of the doubt? It shouldn't, but it should. I mean, it should come down to wins and losses, but there's no way to do that like the NFL. It should they all be on the NCAA. Yeah, but you're right. I mean, uh, uh, they do it with- if you're deciding between in the NCAA basketball tournament, if you're deciding between Duke and UTC, who are you going to take? You're taking you're Duke. You're taking Duke. They do this with they do this with the Lady Vols all the time, by the way. Holly Warlick's last team had no business getting into the NCAA tournament. They were clear-cut not in the NCAA tournament, if you looked at their resume. And they got in. It's like a low C. Because you know the Lady... And they, by the way, the NCAA Women's Tournament gives you home court advantage the first weekend. Tennessee has plenty of times gotten home court advantage that they didn't deserve it. Because you know that Lady Vols fans are going to show up. And when you're a women's basketball and you need that revenue, what are you going to do? You're going to make sure Tennessee's in, and you're going to try to make sure they have a home weekend. You don't think they're going to do the same thing with the college football playoff? No, I, I, I totally agree. Uh, by the way, uh, Cooper is going to join us uh, later today, so it'll be on the YouTube channel. Uh, Coop, what should people do? Cooper Mays here. Hit like and subscribe. Yes, absolutely. So uh, do you think that this, this viewership, this fan base that floods our website and floods our YouTube page every day and that we absolutely love and appreciate the bejesus out of you um do you think that got them into the citrus bowl i ask you that question is brought to you by our uh, great friend don self customer service still matters state farm agent don self and his team take customer service seriously don self.net don self.net call 423-396-2126 it's right down below they built their business and reputation on taking care of their customers everybody's shopping for best price but man you got a claim coming you want to get paid, and that's Don Self. Chattanooga area, Don Self. State Farm agent, Don Self, donself.net. Tennessee got in the Citrus Bowl, which was better than the Gator Bowl. I don't even know where the Gator Bowl is on this television listings, but they got in the Citrus Bowl because the SEC knew that it would provide great television ratings or better than average, better than sending a – who else could they have sent there? 
the only other SEC team they could have sent there would have been LSU. And LSU was in the Citrus Bowl last year, Dave, and it wasn't one of the top 12 rated bowls in college football. The Music City Bowl between Iowa and Kentucky last year had higher ratings in the Citrus Bowl last year. So they it was partially Tennessee, but more than benefiting you when you show up for a bowl, they punish you if you don't view a bowl. And you know this, Dave. They your fan if your fan base does not generate ratings and attendance for a bowl game, that really hurts you in the future. And LSU fans have they're gonna hate me for saying this. I think LSU fans have a tendency to be very fair weather. Um, I think they're front runners. You can tell me if I'm wrong with that, but I, I feel like they well and they're also hung over on January the first, and a lot of bowl games are on January the first. Yeah, January first at noon. It's like, come on. They're yeah. <laughs> It's like, I'm hungover. I need comfort food, so I'm going to eat my gumbo and etouffee, uh, by the way. Which is uh, not etouffee. the best hangover food, and I love gumbo and etouffee, but it's like, it's it, it's not the best hangover food, but sorry. Uh, I just want something that's going to flush my system. <laughs> 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 whatever, whatever it takes back in my wet days. Uh, well, I mean, whatever it takes to get it out. All right, so... Uh, Somebody mentioned on the message board, and we talked about Gerald Mincy entering the transfer portal, Omari Thomas. I couldn't imagine him moving to the offensive line. I think he's a very good player, but we did have that question asked. I mean, he's he's one of Tennessee's better defensive tackles. I wouldn't see that happening, Caleb. You're not, they're not moving him to offensive line. No, no. Omari Thomas is a very – this isn't Khalil McKenzie who should have been playing offensive line the whole time. Omari Thomas is a natural defensive tackle. So yep. – by the way, uh, Caleb said earlier that because Gerald Mincy entered the transfer portal, that he is now predicting just a four-win season for the balls. That is not true. That is not true. I said it depends on who they have behind. And Dave Hooker thinks Bison Ling is the next Darnell Wright. So. Oh, no, 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 no. I think he's a good offensive guard. I didn't think coming in he could play at the SEC level. Let's make sure that that's very clear. I didn't think, based on his tape, he could play at the SEC level. I thought he was soft and out of shape. I've been proven wrong. Good for you, Bison. Kudos. Maybe one day we'll have a ball report with Bison Lang brought to you by somebody. But no, no, no. I think he will be a solid two- to three-year starter at offensive guard, and that's it. If he plays tackle, that, to me, would really – be surpassing my expectations. Don't give me like, so you think not, guard Vice and Lang Heisman Trophy. What did, you season. mentioned? You mentioned Vice and Lang is is the reason it's okay if Mincy goes. Mincy's a tackle, so they still don't. Who's who's backing up Mincy? Who's stepping in for Gerald Mincy right now? I agree. I, I'm just telling you that when you have depth at guard, usually one of those guys can slide out to tackle, which may be Umarov. I don't know that it's. Lane, because I haven't seen him do that yet. But remember, Tennessee for the past two years has done what? They've done something crazy time on the offensive line. And it's worked out for the most part, but they flipped Darnell right from left to right tackle. Who didn't think that was crazy heading into the 2022 season? Why don't you put your best tackle at left tackle? Instead, you put him at right tackle. And then they did the same thing and flipped him last year. So it wouldn't – yeah. There's going to be a guy that plays tackle this year for Tennessee that has not played tackle for Tennessee before. Would you agree with that? Yes, and it probably is somebody who can't play tackle. And what's going to happen when Tennessee plays Alabama and Alabama has their new edge rusher that they always have? 
how many sacks is Alabama going to get? 12, 15? I mean, I'm seeing a Bobby Boucher game. There, there, There is going to be a Bobby Boucher game when Tennessee plays Alabama right now if they don't address this in the transfer portal, Dave. Okay. I'm going to do some digging and, and find out who who might be that the guy who replaces Gerald Mincy. I'll have you a good answer by by Monday. I can I can promise you that. So, <sighs> Will Levis is blaming you, Tennessee fans. He is blaming you. The guy that shows up with his Kentucky hat on the game and he's mayonnaise all and coffee to pl- puts mayonnaise in his coffee, which Caleb did, and he said it was fantastic. But he's blaming Tennessee's fan base for not being accepted by the Titans. Uh, is Will Levis Aaron Rodgers without ability? Just a diva who has no, he's <laughs> not a good quarterback. He's Aaron Rodgers without decision making. His throwing ability is there. Will Levis can actually, have you watched him? He can make every throw. Like he can make legitimately every throw. But he is the worst decision maker I have ever seen. And he said yesterday or a couple days ago, he said uh, he doesn't want Tennessee fans who didn't believe in him because he they saw him because because he played at Kentucky to get on his bandwagon. Now, he told him to stay dying on that hill. Now, my question becomes. Dave, do you, do you really think Tennessee fans are rooting against Will Levis because they have some hatred of Kentucky? Do you honestly think Titans t- Titans slash Vol fans are doing that? Uh, I I think there are probably some overlaps. I think actually you are the minority in that you're a Titans fan and a UT fan. I think more people grew up rooting for either the Steelers or the Cowboys or the Dolphins or the Raiders because they were on TV all the time in Knoxville and they haven't changed their fandom just because the Oilers moved to Memphis and then moved to Nashville. So I think there's some overlap, but I don't think it's it's a huge, huge deal whatsoever. By the way, we're going to have to change gears for a second because we got breaking news. How about that? You ready? Ready. Excited? Commitment. All right. Colin Brazel commits to Tennessee out of Midland High Midland Legacy High School in Midland, Texas. Just happened. Uh, he announced that on his social media page. Uh, so he is committed. Was being uh, pursued by Purdue and Colorado. Um, is this a player to get excited about? A three-star player. Um, on three has him ranked as an 87 out of 100, I guess. ESPN has him ranked a 75 out of 100. 24-7 hasn't even ranked him. And uh, uh, Rivals uh, as well has him as a three-star prospect. Uh, so your thoughts, 2024 uh, guy that's coming in. I'm pulling him up now. So he's listed as an athlete. He's considered a receiver on some and an athlete on others, but most people think he's going to play cornerback. Uh, Colin Brazel, now looking it up, is the brother of Chris Brazel, the second. So the Tulane receiver who just committed to Tennessee or who's just transferred to Tennessee. So was this a package deal? The question becomes who is it a package deal for? Because you would think Chris Brazel is the bigger star, but Colin Brazel committed afterward which is a little bit shocking to me. Um, so 
I don't know where this goes. Maybe they see something in Colin Brazel that we don't, because I'm looking at his 247 recruiting profile right now, and the only other offer he got was from Austin P. at this point. So he's 6'2", which is more of a wide receiver size, but I think you want more of the cornerback size. He's in the 2024 class. He is, you're right, he's a three-star on rivals, but he's not even rated on 247 sports. Um, yeah, I, th- I, th- I think they clearly... I took Colin to get Chris. Um, now, I'm going to share some information with you that I haven't shared before just because we haven't had time to get to it. There is, I call him a collective, but it's not really. And it's led by a, a former uh, Tennessee coach. And I, I, I've heard from it secondhand. So, that, But basically what it is, it is to provide some NIL scholarship money to mostly in-state guys, mostly in-state guys. Um uh, that essentially they're preferred walk-ons. So like the kid from Carnes, um, he's, he was one of those guys I was told. So there's about, they, they, they try to put together the system where they can take about 10 guys and essentially give them some money so that they're walk-ons, but their school is paid for. Cause why not? Now you can break the rules. So that to me is, uh, is definitely, I, I could be a factor in this one. While it's mostly for in-state guys, if you call this guy up, and Stug Matthews, who's coached at uh, Tennessee and does media and all kinds of goofy stuff, but uh, this could be that guy that Tennessee makes a phone call for and says, hey, can you get, take care of this guy? You don't have to pay him a lot. Just get him in the door, pay his scholarship. I wonder. That That's very possible. And I also wonder if – um so he – I'm doing more research. He had a strong senior season. The reason he's not rated is he was completely off the radar last year in his senior season. He kind of emerged. So other schools took notice. That's where Purdue and Colorado took in. It's similar to Chris Brazel, by the way, Chris Brazel wasn't noticed and then balled out at Tulane. They both come from Midland. Dave, we talked last week about Texas recruits and then being overrated, but that's East Texas, Houston, Dallas area. Midland is West Texas. That's near El Paso and Amarillo, I believe. And I know those are way far apart. Amarillo and El Paso don't, but West Texas, everything in Texas is far apart. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> is it the opposite in West Texas? Are there just not enough recruiting services out in West Texas covering guys? Cause that's like, there's not a lot out there, right? It's all the East Texas area that everybody's covering. Isn't it? Houston, Dallas. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think it's slightly, I, I'm not going to pretend to know the regions of, of, da- of Texas all that well, but Tennessee hasn't had a lot of great success in kids that have come out of Texas. But this is the part of Texas that borders New Mexico. And okay. not not the part that's near Louisiana and Arkansas and Oklahoma and all that. Again, this is the this is nowhere Texas, you know, where like those old like westerns and little things like roll across the roadway, the little dusty things that roll across. That that's that's, that's that part of Texas. And I I just I wonder if I wonder if there's not a lot of recruiting that goes out there the way it should. I wonder if people miss on talent out there more. Um, and that that's just a speculation because it sounds like they missed on Chris Brazel, his brother. And it sounds like there was a little bit of shock that, that uh, Colin Brazel had such a strong senior season, which could lead me to believe that he's, that they're both that the Brazel brothers are just being massively underrated right now because of where they come from. So no. Uh, let's take a That's... look at um, so Tennessee's class uh, now with Brazel in it. Uh, uh, of course, uh, Chris was one of the transfers, um, and 
if you look at Tennessee's class right now, they are at 21 guys that have signed uh, their uh, their letter and four that have uh, transferred in. So the class, it may be, I've been told it immediately re-ranks, but I don't see a change from Tennessee being number 12, which they were before. So yeah, they, they don't have, be. yeah, they don't have Brazel up on their list. I, go well. I, They're not going to change with him up on the list. Yeah, they're probably not because he's a three-star guy. I mean, and he, to, well, he's not even rated on composite. Right. And at this point, I mean, to make a move, a major move with one guy when most of your class is already filled out, you're talking about a four or five star to, to make any sort of significant move because of the way the points are calculated. But I did want to go to 247 um, just because they calculated immediately, but he's not up there. Uh, so what do you think of uh, Tennessee's class in, in, in general? Great? Meh? Uh-oh. Where are you? Can you hear me? We're Am I not yeah. here? I got oh. you. Yeah. Uh, sorry. Uh, um, I'm meh. It's not great, but I don't think it's a big deal that it's meh because I think they went all in on 2024. And I so I'm great based on what they did for keeping guys around. And then 2024 can be the lightning rod to get them better classes in the future. But that's why I think the Gerald Mincy lo- loss is a bigger concern because I don't think there was anybody that can play tackle right now in his in, in his place. Now maybe I'm wrong. I'm reading on Twitter that they actually you 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 brought up Shamarad Yumarov. Twitter sphere and inside reports are saying that Mincy may have been forced to the portal now that I'm reading because Umarov they really believe in him at tackle. I don't know what you've heard on that, Dave, or if that's possible. But um, no, I think it's very possible. It's, but if, if Faison Ling is what you say at guard and Yumarov is what you is what they say at tackle and Javante Spragans comes back, more power to him. But that's a big, big, big those are some big ifs that I can't commit to right now. So I'm still man on the 2024 class. Not what I thought it should be. I, I am going to tell you guys that. Michael says UT still needs viable options and offensive line for guard and tackle. Uh, and he asked about who the Jeffrey asked, is there offensive line in the portal we need to get? So I'll put a link there if you would like to check that out, uh, Jeffrey, uh, with Caleb Giroux, who wrote about that. And we discussed it. So there'll be a video up, or I guess you could backtrack this one a little bit. However, the YouTuber works. Yeah, you know, it's just the YouTuber. <laughs> I really understand how that complicated stuff works. I just show up. Um, and then our five favorite minutes. What do you want to talk about? Uh, we end every show with that because we love you as a community and we think you're fantastic. So we'll uh, we'll throw it out there. I always like to lead with uh, some comments from YouTube. And I've, I've been criticized uh, over my career quite a bit. And um, the, the most recent one, uh, Caleb, was my wife's going to leave me. But I was just told my wife's going to leave me off of a, a criticism. So I got to be careful. That's a good one. That's yeah, a good that's a one. pretty good one. Well, yeah, what is it? Yeah, can't Ludacris said it. Uh, can't turn a. He didn't say hooker, but he said can't turn a hooker into a housewife. Isn't that what he said? So, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not 100 percent sure about that. Project uh, Pat said it too at Tennessee from Memphis, but you know. Yeah, absolutely. And again, the the breaking news. We want to talk a little bit of recruiting. We can do that. Uh, the Brazel commitment, I think, clearly is a package deal. The other thing you got to remember that we haven't talked about with NIL money is it's not just the superstars. Now that you have NIL money, you can build depth in a roster. You can take chances a little bit more often because does the 85 scholarship limit, is that even a thing anymore? 
because you could get mm -hmm. money to walk on. That is true. There is you see you realize what's going to happen. It's going to go back to you're going to have 125 scholarships. Yeah. Well, and here's the, here's the other interesting thing about there was a new rule on scholarship limits per like the number you can offer per year and the total number you can have at one time. I forgot what the rule is. It happened by the NCAA this past year. There's an interesting take though, Dave. You know, I've talked about the Moneyball era of NIL. I've thought about this recently. So you, you want to know how the Seattle Seahawks won the Super Bowl in 2013? You want to know what they did? Uh, well, they had a quarterback they didn't have to pay a lot of money to. Well, there was that. But the way they built their defense, it wasn't just drafting. What they did, it was one of the smartest moves they ever did. After 2012, free agency hit. You know, in the NFL free agency, there's the first three days where everybody's rushing to get the biggest stars possible. Mm -hmm. Seattle set back. They let everybody sign. And what they realized is after day three, there are a lot of really good players who are desperate and now really worried that they won't get signed. So they were able to sign them for really, really, really cheap. Wait, and so you, are you implying that Tennessee's holding out on some guys? No, I'm not. I am implying okay. that the fu that a future smart move of NIL would be wait till about like five days before the transfer portal closes. And then you could probably load up on a bunch of there and don't, don't offer certain players. And then there will be some really desperate players that are like, oh my gosh, I won't have a home in college if I don't sign somewhere. And you could probably get a lot of them for cheap if you scout them and identify them well. I like it. I can roll with that. Hey, before you uh, head out, hit that like and subscribe button. Have a friend subscribe. We're almost to a new milestone that we're very excited about. Check out offthehooksports.com. I've got a column coming up on how I firmly believe that Tennessee will win a minimum of uh, 10 games this upcoming year and probably 11. And the only player – we didn't get into this. Can we do this Monday – the only player that lived up that or not lived up that can match the hype of Nico was Johnny Majors coming back as coach. That's the only one Plus, that can match the Plus. hype headed into a season. It's not Peyton Manning because there wasn't the media coverage there. Well, I said at the you know, I don't know what wait. media clippings were at the time. But wait, I'm gonna do it Monday. Okay. All right, you want to save it for Monday. I want your I want your take Monday. With this wild transfer portal ride, Dave, we may have about like 18 other things to cover That's between the weekend true. because the college football calendar is just giving reporters like me and Dave giant middle fingers because they want our mental health to collapse because there's so much to cover. Yeah, there's uh, so many, uh, so much transfer news. We might even not mention some guy named He's Caleb Calhoun. I'm Dave Hooker. Have a fantastic weekend whenever you're watching this. This has been a presentation of Off the Hook Sports represented by Banks and Jones.